Y'all forget I worked in the hood for a lot of years. Check, 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 check. It's one of them through it all moments. Turn in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. There's a line in that song. I had not thought of that song in years. And to be totally honest with you, I was walking out of my door the other day, the office door, and just that line that is in that song Skeeter just sang that said, if I never had a problem, how would I know God could solve them? And I don't really know how to put into words the thinking of some Christians today in that they think that Life is just quesera, and we just won't have any issues, any struggles, any battles. There's even a teaching going around like that. That if you're having those problems, you got sin in your life. I'm serious. And I want you to know that nothing could be further from the truth. Amen. Go back and study the life of Jesus. Study the apostles, the disciples, great men and women of God throughout the ages, missionaries that have been cannibalized on foreign missions that went knowing they'd heard God tell them to go to the mission field. I saw a story not long ago about a missionary that was killed overseas. I've forgotten where it was, but Many years later, his, little, his son grew up to be a grown man, went back to the same place as a missionary and led the man to Christ that killed his father. Don't tell me Christians don't have issues. Jesus plainly said that while you're in this world, you will have tribulations. That's one of my favorite words. But. Why? Y'all know. Because it means what's about to be said is of a more importance and more significance and more power than what was previously said. While you're in this world you shall have tribulations but be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. And as a child of God and his spirit resides in us and he's given us a power to go forth and to overcome, not be overcome. He's commissioned us to go forth and be the victor and not the victim. We were talking in the office the other day and about something similar to this. And you know, God never, in fact, the song that Skeeter sings, you know, that uh, through the fire. We're going to have struggles. Don't think you're exempt. Yeah. 
nor think that you're the only one that has them. John chapter 14, I mean chapter 4, verse 4, but I want to preface it was to go back over into John chapter 3, and verse 12. Huh? I meant Luke. I just seen if y'all were paying attention. <laughs> Luke chapter 4 is where I'm going to read, but I want to talk about Luke chapter 3. Because in verse 21, we see where Jesus was baptized by John in the River Jordan. And you know how when he came up and the Spirit of the Lord descended like a dove and rested upon him. And he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And God who is love loved us so much that he provided a way for us that through the cross of Calvary that we too can become sons of God. But pay special attention in verse 1 of chapter 4. We're not going to read it all for sake of time. But right after Jesus is baptized, he says, that Then Jesus was filled with the Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. These trials, these struggles, these issues that we're talking about. He was led, he was full of the Spirit. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Amen. Let's take a time out right there. It's the trying of our faith that worketh patience in us. And when patience is complete, then we're perfect and lacking nothing. I want you to understand something. The wilderness experience is not for punishment. The wilderness experience is for perfecting. The wilderness experience is for stretching you and growing you and developing you and to help chip off some of the rough edges and to get you to a place where you're dependent upon God. Where you're looking to Him, the author and the finisher of your faith. Where He's not just this wonderful person that we sing about. But that He is the epitome and the essence of why I'm a Christian. In Him I live and move and have my being. In Him there's life. In Him there's peace. In Him there's provision. In Him there's power. In Him there's purpose. Jesus is what it's all about, folks. It's not about denomination. It's not about arguing over doctrinal issues. It's not about how much our budget is or how much we spend on missions. It's not about any of that. It's about seeking Jesus, hearing Jesus, obeying Jesus, and all that other stuff will take care of itself. It's just that simple. In fact, one of the very first messages that I remember that the Spirit of God gave me many years ago, 40 years ago. I'm going to give you an overview of it. Don't need any notes. It's the entire Bible in five two-worded statements. I want you to understand that the entire Old Testament, although there are many miracles there of Daniel in the lion's den and the parting of the Red Sea and the list goes on and on and on, the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, all of the many miracles that we read in the Old Testament are just things that are going to point to Jesus for the central message of the entire Old Testament is He comes. Yeah. 
It's the prophesying of the coming of a Messiah. The four Gospels all talk about the virgin birth, but they spend more time vividly depicting he dies. The book of Acts, he lives. The epistles, he saves. Revelations, he reigns. He who? Jesus. Everywhere you look in this book, if you don't see Jesus, you've missed the message. Period. So, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. While he's there, the devil comes to him in different ways and offers him different stuff. You need to go home and make it a point to read that because he appeals to the flesh, he appeals to power, he appeals to all kinds of things. And each and every time, Jesus overcame him by what? The Word of God. That's why the devil tries so hard to keep you from learning the Word because the Word is how you're to combat the devil. Ephesians talks about being armed with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Recognize the fact that the Word is our sword. The Word is not just a defensive thing. The Word is an offensive weapon that He gives you to take dominion and to take authority over the devil and over all the imps of hell and over all of the forces that come against you. The Lord has given you authority in the name of Jesus. And I want to iterate something that I did three or four years ago. I don't know why, I'm, but this is for somebody here. I want you to stop praying. We ask this in your name, amen. Say the name of Jesus. Amen. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Because when you just say the name, the Lord knows what you mean. And you know what you mean. But we want the devil to hear you invoke the name of Jesus. He trembles at the sound of that name. It's important that you use the name of Jesus. The word is our sword. And faith in that word is our shield. Whereby we may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. But you can't use the word or have faith in the word if you don't know the word. And if you haven't proven the word to see that it works so that you can have trust, confidence, faith, assurance in it. Now let's read. 14. He'd been in the wilderness being tempted, remember. And then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through the all the surrounding region and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it is written the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him.
And he began to say unto them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. We've got to remember that Jesus is declared in Matthew 28 where all power in heaven and earth is his. Not limited power, not occasional power, not sometimes power. All power Amen. is his. There's no foe, no enemy, no opponent, no force that can stand against him. There's no sickness, no disease, no turmoil in your life that does not have to submit to the name of Jesus. I want to emphasize where he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. What is the anointing? Just what is the anointing? We read in verse in scripture where it says that it's the anointing that breaks yokes. It's the anointing that breaks the yokes. So what is the anointing? I asked the Lord that question some years ago and he gave me a cowboy translation that hopefully you can understand. I understood it. And he says that the anointing is simply this. It's the supernatural empowering of God upon man, beast, or things to accomplish what is otherwise impossible for them to do. Amen. Illustration. Samson took a jawbone of a donkey and slew a thousand men. Took the gates of the city on his shoulders and carried them off. Killed lions with his hands. I don't believe that Samson was this big Herculean man like you see in the movies. Or else they would have thought, well, he's just big and strong. I believe he was your typical, average, ordinary looking guy. And they would just go, how does he do that? I can't do that. Can you do that? How does he do that? I can tell you how. The anointing. The anointing. The anointing on beast. How many of you remember when Balaam's donkey talked to him? Things. How many of you remember? Old boy borrowed his buddy's, his neighbor's axe and was hewing some logs and he dropped that axe head in, in the water. And unlike present day times, people when they borrowed stuff, they brought it back. <laughs> and there wasn't a Walmart on every corner. So he was troubled. And he told the man of God, Elijah, what had happened. And he says, where did it go in the water? And he went, right there. And what happened? That sucker swam. That axe swam to the top. You ever seen an axe swim? I ain't ever seen an axe swim. Have you? God, the anointing upon man, beast, or things... To accomplish which is otherwise impossible. See the key word was it's the supernatural coming upon the natural. Our natural man is limited. 
The supernatural man is unlimited. So that's how it all begins. He's anointed. Anointed to what? To preach the gospel to the poor. Poor in spirit. Broken. He's, he's come to preach the message of hope. The message of salvation. The message that there is a way out. The message of it don't have to end the way it looks. Your circumstances, as has been said before, does not determine your destiny. Your decisions do. And your, your actions and your faith with the decisions that you make. I want to remind us continuously. Oftentimes, faith without works is dead. That's why we have a lot of Christians being so frustrated. We pray and go on about our business and just expect God to do everything all the time. And a lot of times he does. But oftentimes he's wanting to use, use you as a conduit to bring about the answer to the things that you're praying about. But the problem is, is after we make our request known unto him, we don't stop and listen long enough to get any orders or instructions from him as to what he might want us to do to help bring the thing about. Prayer is what? Communication. Communication is what? Two way. Not one way. Gunner's been trying to teach me that for a long time. <laughs> so he's come to preach the gospel to the poor, the message of hope. He's come to heal the brokenhearted. Those who feel such a failure in life. They have unrealized expectations, disappointments. Things that they thought would turn out one way and it turned out another way. He's come to preach to those who are broken hearted and their hurts. Probably some people in here like that. He's come to preach liberty to the captives, which is simply deliverance. Bible says that what you yield your members to, to that you become enslaved. If you yield your life to drugs, to alcohol, to Satanism, to gambling, to pornography, to the lust of the flesh. Lord, I shouldn't have started naming it because the list is way longer than I can name them. But what you yield yourself to, to that you become enslaved. And I want to assure you of one thing for sure. Thou shalt have no other gods before him. Amen. Don't you yield yourself to anything that trumps or takes precedence over God. I said last week and I want to say it again this week. I don't consider myself to be very old. Maybe you do, but I don't. And I remember in my lifetime when our lifestyles were patterned around God and church. And we'd fit ball or taekwondo or soccer or rodeoing or whatever. We'd fit that in around God. But you was going to go to church. You was going to be at the supper table. You were going to be a family. You were going to do the things that you were supposed to do. And, and, God, and, and then everything else was second. Nowadays, everywhere I turned, it's they try to fit God in where they have time. Because everything else takes precedence. Now I'm not here to say that life isn't busy and that you shouldn't be involved in things. I'm not saying that at all. But anything that comes between you and God being first, you better self-check. You better inventory. Because it might have become something more than what you have wanted it to be. But God can deliver you that. 
He can deliver you from the addictions to alcohol and drugs, etc., etc., etc. He's come to preach the recovery of the sight to the blind. This speaks of healing physically. Physical healing. That's a, that's a word that preachers are afraid to use nowadays. But I want you to understand something. My Bible says that Jesus bore stripes on his back for our healing. I want you to know that I believe that where he says, If any among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church, and they anoint him with oil, and lay hands on him, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord would raise them up. I believe that Jesus, this same Jesus, not another, has not grown old, weak, feeble, and senile. I believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe anything he's ever been able to do, he's able to do today. And I will pray over sick people, and I will believe and expect God. To be God. I can't heal anybody. But I'm telling you what he says in his word. Don't be reluctant. It ain't your reputation on the line. It's his. Pray for the sick. He's come to set at liberty those that are oppressed. This means those are constantly worrying or are under an, uh, uh, an unjust authority or a rule. You know, the devil loves to cause oppression in us, which will then turn, if we're not careful, into depression. The Lord's come to deliver us from that. The Lord hadn't given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, Power and love and of a sound mind. That's what God's given us. But the devil tries to distract our attention from the one that we should be looking to. From the one that we should be obeying. He tries to get us to looking at any and everything else but him. Tonight I want to challenge you to, to refocus. Stop worrying. And lastly he says to preach the acceptable year of our Lord. That's now. Every day is a good day. Every good and perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow nor turning. He's always at the noontime position. He's always at the pinnacle of his ability to do things in your life. There are questions that you can ask that I promise you I, just, I can't answer. But as Mark is saying, I know a man who can. I don't know everything, but I know the one that does. And I know this, that he's got a good plan for our life and that if we trust him with all our heart and don't lean into our own understanding but in all of our ways acknowledge him, we'll let him direct our path. He's got a much better plan for you than you can plan for yourself. Amen. It's just that simple.